Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome one and all to the Storybox podcast, the place to be if you are a lover of stories. My name is Jay Phantom, former real estate agent now, living my purpose, sharing amazing stories from people all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Well, everybody, it is that time once again. Welcome back to the Storybox podcast. My friends, I hope you all are doing well and keeping safe out there during this period of time. Uh, today, I have a very special guest for you. His name is Michael Gervais, or Gervais, as I call him in the introduction, if you look at it on YouTube. Uh, Dr. Michael Gervais is a world-renowned high-performance psychologist and industry visionary. Over the course of 20 years working with world-leading performers, Dr. Gervais has developed a psychological framework that allows people to thrive in pressure-packed environments. His clientele consists of this NFL Seattle Seahawks, that's my favorite NFL team, just saying, countless Olympic medalists, MVPs from every major sport, world record holders, internationally acclaimed music artists, and corporate leaders. Dr. Gervais is the host of the ever-popular Finding Mastery podcast with over millions of views. He explores the psychology of some of the world's most extraordinary thinkers and doers. Past guests range from Microsoft CEO uh, Satya Nadelia, apologize if I'm butchering that, and best-selling author Brene Brown. I also saw that he had uh, the author of Subtle Art of Not Giving an F uh, with Mark Manson. The Climber, Alex Hanold, and NBA coach Steve Kerr. Dr. Gervais and NFL coach Pete Carroll founded founded Compete to Create, an online and live masterclass for the mind. They have worked with more than 30,000 employees at Microsoft alone uh, on on the mental skills and strategies to unleash unleash one's potential. They've also co-authored a book together on Audible Original, compete to create and it's been released uh, recently and it's doing incredibly well. Among all of Dr. Gervais' successes, he has been featured on a number of magazines uh, such and and uh, news outlets such as NBC, ABC, Fox, CNN, ESPN, NFL Network, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Outside Magazine, Wired, ESPN Magazine, The Harvard Business Review and so many others. My friends, this is going to be a awesome conversation. And if you are a fan of psychology, I guarantee you are going to love this episode and finding out and unboxing Dr. Michael Gervais' story. We unbox a lot of things in here that I know is going to be of value to a lot of you. So with that being said, my friends, I need you to do me a huge favor. Um, Please share this episode around if you do like it and do get something from it. Uh, it would be a huge help to build this community of the Storybox and reach as many more people as we possibly can. Your support goes a long way. Uh, also, if you can leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, that also goes a long way in building uh, the Storybox. Follow Dr. Michael Gervais. His work is, is pretty amazing and it's quite informative. So make sure you do that. So my friends, I'm going to be quiet now because it's time to venture into the story box and hear Dr. Michael Gervais' story. Oh, thank you for thank you for including me in your community. 
I, it's an absolute honor, seriously. Um, thank you so much for making the time. Before we dive into, I guess, your backstory and, and why you got started and how you got started in all this, I have one question that I love asking people to start off with. I don't know if you've heard this before, but I love asking people, what does success look like to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, you know, this was a conversation that in 1980 was asked a lot. Like that question was asked a lot in the 80s. Like, what is success? And um, it's different now than it ever was before. And I'll tell you exactly where I am with the, the, the question is that success is about living in the present moment and mapping that um, against clear principles that are helping guide my thoughts, words, and actions. So there's an alignment in the way that I show up that's principle-based in the present moment. And then as well as mapped toward my purpose in life. So if I'm clear about my purpose, which is to help people train their minds to live in the present moment more often, and I'm doing it in a principle-based way that feels right and organic to my value system, and then I'm able to actually spend a higher frequency of time than I ever could, uh, than I ever was able to uh, prior to live in the present moment. I got it. Like for me, that's success. success. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean? It means that if I'm able to do that, then I am um, in the keyhole, if you will, of where high performance is expressed, where relationships are met, where wisdom is revealed, where all things that are true, beautiful, and good are experienced. And that all that keyhole I'm talking about is the present moment. Mm -hmm. So that's where I meet my son. It's where I meet my wife. It's where I'm able to express my craft. It's where I'm able to help businesses and people, you know, accelerate their growth arcs. And so for me, the keyhole um, is the present moment. And when I'm in the present moment, aligned with my values and in a purpose, uh, in alignment with my purpose, um, for me, that's success. I love that. I have two questions coming out of that. So I'll ask you the first one, which is why do you think people get stuck on not being present right now? Oh, well, I, it's, that's a, it's a good question. Relatively easy to answer. Um, and it requires a little bit of unpacking to get to the, to the gems inside of it. But our brain, it, this three pounds of tissue that sits in our skull, it's an ancient system. You know, it's a beautiful complex, multi-nuanced, complicated piece of tissue that we really don't understand how it works. But we do know that one of its prime dictums is survival. So we have this ancient brain in modern times trying to solve modern challenges. And our brain is just trying to figure out how to survive. And that is sometimes orthogonally um, away from being here in the full presence um, of whatever, because our brain is trying to solve safety. And if we can't quite solve safety, this is why anxiety is such a large issue. If we can't quite solve uh, uh, safety, then we worry and think. And that worrying and thinking can lead to frustration and intolerance. And that worry, thinking, and frustration and intolerance are all mechanisms that pull us from now, from right now. And so the short answer is because our brain is trying to survive and uh, being in the present moment is a bit of a luxury or a deep response to threat. And everything in between is kind of, you know, uh, up to skill. And so being in the present moment is a skill. Mm. I try myself to always be in the present moment, but I always find it sometimes very difficult because there are so many things that do happen on a daily basis that your mind sort of can wander off to the what if scenario. And my question to you would be, having worked with so many high performers, you would have to have uh, confronted people that have this, what if, what if we don't win the game? What if we don't perform as well? So my question to you would be, how do you coach someone that is always stuck on the what if scenario? Mm. Well, it's, there's a utility to what if and thinking about what if this, what if that, you know, the contingency planning is actually a good strategy. But when that becomes, let's call it excessive, just to kind of make the point, then it prevents us from locking in or dropping into the present moment. And again, the present moment is where all things that are amazing take place. So um, 
and I'm talking about beautiful and amazing, not just high performance. I'm talking about mastery. I'm talking about artistic expression. So the what ifs are cool as a contingency planning thought process to do that with a coach, a mentor, a trusted other, to do that in a journal, uh, to muse that on your own is totally cool. But when it becomes obsessive or excessive and it's actually becoming uh, a blocker to being able to kind of do whatever you need to do right now, uh, it ends up splitting our ability to attend to the task at hand. And so I think the second part of your question is like, what do you do with folks Mm. that are struggling with the what if scenario? Um, It's a clever way of saying, what do you do for folks that are struggling with anxiety (laughs) and anxiety? You know, if you look at the data, it's about 15% of people in, in North America that are struggling with a clinical disorder of anxiety. Probably it's more like 30%. Mm. Uh, Right now in the current pandemic and the conditions of our, our, economy and everything, it's probably higher than that. And so what do we do with people that are struggling with anxiety? Help them understand that how their ancient brain is working, how they can train their mind through one awareness of their inner experience. So with uh, step one awareness, then you provide a skill to come back to the task at hand, to come back to right now. And usually for the most part, right now is pretty cool. Yep. Like right now, Jay, you and I are like, we could have a ton of things going on in our life that are actually really challenging mm. and blood in the um, kind of the behind the scenes of this conversation and in the recesses of our mind. What if this, what if I don't do that? Or what if I ask the wrong question? Or what if I say something that is unbecoming or whatever, all of that. But if that narrative is running strong, it will, it, it, it takes, a, it takes away the ability for us to appreciate this moment. Mm. And so uh, we can get into the particular skills if you want, but um, that's a general way of thinking about the what if scenario as it maps to anxiety and how anxiety is actually one of the culprits to uh, human potential. Do you believe that it's mainly repetition to sort of get out of this mindset of the what if? Because, you know, I think we all at some point have it on a pretty frequent basis because it's not it's not easy to get away from it. (laughs) Um, I think like what I've learned is just to be mindful of it, but don't allow it to control your present moment. Like get to that place of, I think there's like a barrier. And once you allow the, the what if to go over the barrier and sink deep into your actual belief system, that's when it becomes an actual problem. And that's when it starts hurting your present moment with your beliefs in, in right now. So what I've tried to do is be very mindful, conscious of, of the fact that they are there, but not get stuck in and bogged down in thinking that, you know, they are the be all and end all because they're really not. And I mean, all we have right now is now, like we're not mm. guaranteed of a tomorrow. And I mean, mm. uh, I, I always, um, my my ending of an email is be blessed because mm. I know that right now always is a blessing. Right now is a blessing, not tomorrow. And actually one of your staff members, she responded back. It was, it was quite cool. She says, I'm alive today. So that for me is I'm blessed. And I was just like, that put a massive smile on my face because I don't think anyone has really ever responded to that final uh, ending of, of an email before. So that I, f- I feel like that's awesome. But for you, Dr. Dr. Michael, what, um, what is one particular skill you, you could recommend? I know there's heaps, but if there's one particular skill that you would recommend to somebody like a young person, for example, that is struggling with it, what would you recommend? Struggling with the what ifs? The what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it. So it's awareness. And so awareness is um, actually a skill. And so we throw that word around like it's, you know, easy, but awareness is actually quite um, sophisticated. Awareness of what? Awareness of four things. Awareness of your thoughts, awareness of your emotions, awareness of your body's sensations, and awareness of the unfolding environment around you. Now to do awareness well is to do it without judgment and critique. Mm -hmm. So what I'm talking about is really the art and the science of mindfulness. 
You could call it meditation if you want. Mindfulness is really about awareness and about wisdom. And so with great awareness, then we can actually apply the right tool or the right skill in the right way to adjust to this unfolding moment. Mm-hmm. And without awareness, we're stuck, you know? And so awareness allows us to live in the present moment more often by adjusting, making these little micro adjustments. Um, and then when we're in the present moment more often, like I've talked, you and I have talking a lot about the present moment, but when you're in it for an extended period of time, you've kind of hooked around two, three, four moments, maybe 40, 50, and you've kind of got this, this loop, if you will, of being in the present moment right now, stringing together the next and the next. Athletes talk about that being in the flow state. Mm-hmm. They talk about the zone. They talk about, you know, musicians call it being in the pocket. But really what it does, if you do it in a non-movement-based way, it leads to insight. So awareness to the present moment, to insight. And insight is the aha moments. Like, oh, you know what? I get, oh, that's how this works. Uh, Oh, that's how I work with this. Oh, right. So that's an, an insight. And then when you put together two, three, four insights, you get to wisdom. Now, if you know a wise man or wise woman or wise person, you know that they see things differently. So with great wisdom, you probably don't need a whole lot of tools. Okay. Now, if you don't have a whole lot of tools in place, it's really hard to get to wisdom. Mm. So it's like this bookended experience. You know, you got to start with mental skills and tools to get to wisdom. What are those tools? Okay. Again, let's go mindfulness as one. Um, and if we can double click on that and talk about the science of mindfulness as well. Mm-hmm. The second would be um, self-talk. So understanding what you say to yourself actually has a material impact on your emotional um, being. And sometimes a thought is really important. Sometimes it's just a freaking thought. Like it's not, like, say hello and goodbye to it. Like, see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the stringing together of thoughts that is actually you know, where the impact comes from. And so you think about stringing together thoughts. What does that mean? Thoughts are like trains of thought. So you get on one thought and it's likely to take you to a very familiar second thought. It's likely to take you to a very familiar third stop. So it's kind of like a train of thought. And if you don't realize what train you're on, you could end up in a great place or you could end up in like a really kind of heavy (laughs) spot, you know, like, a place you don't like to be. And so without awareness, you're just jumping on trains all the time, just following thoughts without kind of a clue what ticket you just punched. And so um, awareness one, self-talk two, knowing how to breathe properly to regulate your body. Um, those are all kind of mechanisms to deal with anxiety. Uh, there's, there are handfuls more as well. I've, I've done um, quite a few conversations with some very high performance people and really enjoyed the conversation towards mindfulness and really learning as much as possible about mindfulness. But I think you summed it up perfectly um, in that. And I think we could talk for ages about mindfulness and, and really um, unbox that even more. But what I want to do is focus more on your story, uh, Dr. Michael, and, and how you got started in, in doing all this stuff in the first place. So are you able to mm-hmm. share, you know, in school, what did you always want to be when you grew up? Oh yeah. You're taking us way back, huh? You want to go back to the origin story. You want, you want like, you want one of us curled up on the couch crying. Is that what we're doing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. As as a psychologist, I'm, I'm poking fun at my own craft, but, (laughs) um, and and actually that's kind of how psychology was in the eighties and the nineties, but it's so different right now because of the extraordinary men and women. Some of the most courageous men and women right now are saying, listen, I'm not leaving my psychology up to chance. I'm going to train it the same way I train my body, the same way I train my craft. I'm not leaving this thing, you know, unturned. So let's get after it. And so it is changing, quote unquote, a stigma that we struggled with long ago. It's changing. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, like in the performative environments I'm in, I'll answer your question for sure, Jay, but the performative environments that we're in right now, where it's fill in the blanks, like I'm currently with the Seattle Seahawks, but you know, there's lots of other environments. I would check the box to say, this is also true. When we're doing, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, no longer is it like, oh, 
such and such is with a shrink. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is really like, oh yeah, they're getting after it. They're, they're, they're solving some stuff now. They're getting their mindset, you know, dialed in good. Cause I need them on Sunday. We need each other to be right. You know, and I'm not saying there's a cue for those conversations, like a, like a lineup, but um, in the most dynamic environments, there is a want to be one's best, to be great at their craft and to be great for each other. And mind is a really important part. So what set me down this path is I was a bit of a mess as a young aspiring surfer. And so I grew up surfing. It was my first sport. I'm sure you're well intimate and familiar with the, the, the wonderful sport of surfing. And I could, free surfing was cool. Like, you know, pull into something heavy. Don't talk about it. Um, just be about it. Like that was, I was built for that. And I ascribed to that culture. Right. And, but I also had this itch to do professional surfing. I'm sorry, not professional, but competitive surfing. I mean, I'm talking about like when I was like 13, 14, 15 in that age. So it was competitive and I was a mess. Jay, as soon as like, as soon as the beach got a little filled and some judges were there and people came out to watch heats, I was an absolute kook. And I could not figure out how to access what I knew I could do because I had this constrictor that was an invisible constrictor of what was possible for me. And when nobody was looking, I was fine. It was, it was actually awesome, you know, just be about it. And then as soon as people were looking, I had this, what I've come to term now, you've heard of YOLO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you only live once. You heard of FOMO, right? Yep. You're missing out. <laughs> Right. So I coined this, 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 uh, other concept, which I think Jay, I believe is the number one constrictor for human performance. What I'm about to share with you. FOPO fear of people's opinions. Ooh. So, yeah. So go, go back to our ancient brain is trying to figure out survival. There are no more saber tooth tigers. Mm. So what is our current danger? Our current danger is what somebody else might be thinking, what you might be thinking of me is so dangerous for people that the same part of the brain, the fight, flight, freeze, submit response in the brain, that part of the brain called the limbic system lights up as soon as somebody walks on stage. Okay. And when they walk into a social gathering where there's maybe some people they don't really know, or they perceive people to be of stature or influence or something, why would we be nervous? Mm. Why would we activate the same part of our brain that is responsible for survival in social settings. It's because our brain hasn't quite figured out what's the, you know, what do we do when uh, people are judging us? And that must be the new threat. So FOPO, fear of people's opinions, really kind of got me screwed up as a young athlete. And so it eventually set me down this path to say, wow, all right. I know I have the abilities in me, but I can't execute on command. What's up with that? Well, it's not my body. That didn't change that much from yesterday. It's not my craft. That didn't change that much from yesterday. It's my mind. Mm. So it set me down this path to, um, you know, no one in my school or no one in my family um, went to college. I was the first to get a bachelor's degree first, obviously, then to get a master's um, and then eventually a PhD in psychology with a specialization in sport. And um, I just wanted to understand it as best as I possibly can. I'm still learning. I still am fortunate to work with in environments that are progressive and hopefully adding to this beautiful science of psychology. Wow. This fear, this um, BOPO, fear of people's People's opinions. opinions. Yeah. Do you, have you done like work on, on your own mind to figure out where that actually started for you? Uh, Oh yeah. I have, um, man, I've sat in the chair a lot. (laughs) And so, yeah, um, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've drank my own medicine for sure. And yes. Where, where did it start for you? Uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. Like it's the, um, yeah. So where's it come from for me is I grew up in a family that, um, wonderful, loving people. And they had, we had, I don't, I don't ever want to talk about other people that are not in the room, but it was a unique environment in my family where I didn't quite know what the truth was. And so I would play the game that, uh, okay, well, if I don't quite know what the truth is, I got to kind of guess what is risky and not risky. And what we're talking about as a young kid is like mood of others and like, you know, trying to 
take the temperature and figure it out. So I got really skilled at taking people's temperature and figuring out like, is this a good mood? Not a good mood? Like what's up with that? And then, um, so because I was skilled at reading people for my own, let's call it nine year old survival. And listen, I had a great family. (laughs) Okay. This is uh, survival is way too strong of a word. I have a great family, loving family, but I didn't quite know what the truth is reading people to figure it out. And then that became a skill that was below conscious awareness of me. I didn't know it. I'm nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. And then when I'm going to social settings in high school and whatever, I'm reading people to see if I'm okay. Mm. Well, that turned into a problem in, in life. You know, certainly it showed up in sport first. I'm trying to read them to see if I'm okay. When the truth is that the external world should never dictate our internal experience. That's freedom. When you reverse that and whatever the conditions are around you, that you have the internal ability and you have the agency to use a psych, you know, word of psychology, you have the agency to dictate your own experience independent of the conditions around you. That, that is freedom. And so that can only happen if you know how to spend time in the present moment to actually experience the cold skin, or I'm sorry, the cold air on your skin, you know, to really be with it rather than dance around it and try to just get favor or approval or whatever. So we do need to have a little bit of a tougher underbelly to be able to spend high frequency of time in the present moment. Cause it's not always easy. There's challenges that are embedded in it. And um, so long way of me saying, just trying to figure it out as a kid. <laughs> and I built this skill of trying to see if I'm okay based on what other people um, are, how they're think, potentially thinking or behaving. I don't think that it's that uncommon. I think this is rather common. It's why anxiety is so high. It's why social anxiety in, in the middle school years uh, um, is so kind of challenging that people turn to alcohol and drugs at parties in high school. And then oddly enough, that that stunts emotional intelligence. So if you start drinking heavy at say 18, you know, it's too young. But if you start drinking at at a heavy age or using drugs or whatever, emotionally you're stunted because you don't have to know how to deal with the uncomfortableness. Mm. You You put some courage, you drink some courage, whatever you do, you know, whatever the drug of choice is, you drink some courage and then you're fine. Well, guess what? You need that liquid or substance to feel okay. That that's a dangerous proposition. There's no freedom in that. That's a reliance that you need on someone or something to be okay. And so um, that's not that uncommon. It really isn't. And to be honest with you, Doc, I was actually one of those people that struggled with anxiety, depression, high levels of stress because I worried too much about what people thought of me. Hey, welcome to the club. Fopo. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Trademark that yet? Or is it? (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely uh, trademark that. Uh, But I, you know, in many ways um, I went to psychologists and and counselors and all that sort of stuff and just told them like, this is how I was brought up. This is how my belief system was formed. And I, I place such high perfection on myself and doing such an amazing job because I put that pressure on me. I wanted to become better, greater, and I didn't want to disappoint anyone either. So in school, like I was the first one to actually do my HSC in the family mm-hmm. and I wasn't smart. I wasn't intelligent. I struggled a lot. And for me, it was tough. So when the exams would come around, my brain would just go blank. When it came to the assignments, I was excelling at them. But whenever an assignment or an exam, sorry, was um, down the road or so close, I would just shut down. And my, I would get so fearful of actually failing the exam. What happens is the, you know, the what if scenario. And yeah. Actually, when I was sitting the exams, uh, I would suffer like these panic attacks. And one time I suffered a panic attack and, and the school had to call an ambulance because I thought I was having a heart attack. I was like, no, no, no I, can't, I can't be having a heart right. attack. You were, you were a mess. I was <laughs> right. an absolute mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel for you there. And you know what? Here, here's the, here's the, the bummer about that is that um, 
why don't we have these resources, these psychological skill resources for kids, for young athletes, for non-athletes? Like, why don't we do it? Yeah. It's absolutely, um, it's a pain source for me that uh, many of the only people that I get to spend time with are incredibly well off because they're so skilled at what they do. And it, it's a pain source that, no, we need to socialize and democratize this um, and to do it at scale. So if you've got part, if you've got folks in your community that um, this is me asking for help is that uh, coach Carol. So I built a company with the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And um, we basically took the science of mindset training so that you can explore the reaches of your potential. And we put it at scale and we've got, an eight week online course, you can go to competetocrate.net. You can buy an individual, but we really sell to businesses to, to do it at scale. But we're looking for a partner right now to, to amplify um, a mental health initiative and to give it away to the next generation of kids. And so we've got some, um, I, I don't want to talk about it yet, but we've got some absolute, uh, the world's best performers, uh, athletes saying we're in line. We want to be the face of this with you. And we want to give it to, you know, our city mm. and the kids in our city. So right now what we're looking for is a brand sponsor to say, we're about it. <laughs> and we're going to do that with you. And we're going to get all that brand love and shine to make a difference in the next generation as well. And we're going to do it with some of the coolest athletes on the planet. So that's what we're, we're working towards right now. And we're super jazzed about it. I love that, man, because my, I believe my purpose really is to help the next generation of young kids because I went through a lot. You, you said it perfectly. I was a mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But I, I understand it though. The reason I, like you and I can probably talk about it because I understand it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I it. So therefore yeah. we were able to help young people that are going through a very similar thing right now. And mm. I think that course would be absolutely perfect for young people to get a hold of and learn more about it. So I'll have to get more information from you later. Well, why don't we do this? Why, why don't we do this? Why don't we, why don't we do something fun for your community? Why don't we set up, um, uh, why don't we set up a, a, a giveaway, you know, like a, cha- a competition yep. and maybe how about this? How about on social? Let's go Instagram. You have uh, Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah. So they tag you, they tag me at Michael Gervais and, um, and they tag at finding mastery and, and then, and then say like why you want to train your mind, why training your mind is so important to you right now. And then you and I'll go through and we'll pick some absolute, like, let's go two. we'll, we'll do two people. It's a $500 course. Uh, and we're going to pass it on to your community, thousand dollars just for, you know, getting it rolling. And, um, let's, let's just make a small little thing. That's, that's my commitment to your community right now, but let's have some fun on social with it. Let's kind of create that community that people say, I want to train my mind. Let's go. I love it, man. Let's totally do it. Let's get it done and mm. put that on record. So we're actually going to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, good. I'm escaping it. <laughs> yeah, good. good. Very cool. Dr. Michael, I am very mindful of your time. So I have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, what, please. What has been the worst advice you've ever been given? Advice? Yes. Advice? Advice. Just advice. Yep. It's- <laughs> It's, it's like, I don't know what I want to say. It's like advice is a fool's game. Mm. And so, um, I don't give advice. I don't think that it's a valuable proposition. It's, there are no shortcuts. There's no hacks. There's no tricks and tips and shortcuts. And, you know, there's no secrets. So advice, uh, um, people ask for advice and I say, well, hold on. How about this? How about we really work to understand what you want? Mm. How about we work to understand where you might be stuck? How about we work to understand the tools, the mental tools that you need to be able to be a bit more free, you know, and to play a little bit more or to have better clarity or creativity? Because if you're all bound up from frustration, anxiety, this, that, and the other, you know, it's hard to be fluid. And so I, I think advice is... Uh, a bit of, I'm sorry if I'm disrespecting you in this, but I think it's a little bit disrespectful to say, because you haven't lived in my shoes and it's a shortcut to say, just tell me what to do. Jay, just tell me what to do. I, 
you can't begin to really know without knowing so much of me how that flippant advice or even well-intended advice is going to impact me down the road. So I'm not in the game. I don't, I think advice is a mistake. That's the worst advice is to give is to give advice. And so, yeah. I love that. Sorry to get on a a soapbox a little bit on it. (laughs) No, no, no. That's good. I I like that answer. It's, um, it's different. I've never heard anyone describe it that way before. So what do people say to you? How do they respond? They always say to me, that's a good question. And they try and think of when someone has actually given them a bad piece of advice that hasn't worked for them in their life. Mm. Whenever I think of this question, the reason why I'm curious about it is because I've had so many people actually give me terrible advice. I've followed it and ended up realizing that it was bad advice later on. (laughs) Like, but in the moment when you're given the advice, you think it's the best thing in the world um, until you've actually lived it. Uh, So I'm, I'm always curious about what things people have actually lived that they consider that they got from somebody else that was bad advice for them. You know, like I'm always curious about that. So then I can learn and people that are listening can learn from that advice that if they have been given the same thing, that now they can get rid of it. (laughs) And Well, it's so contextual though. Like somebody could say, trust your gut. And then the same person could hear from somebody else, which is like, write it down and think deeply. Well, come on. I mean, okay, both are cool. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I get fatigued by pop psychology, you know, the, the, the hacks of the world. I get a little fatigued by it. And I know that it's a, it's very popular to do that, but I'd rather say, what are the sturdy frameworks that we can work from? And if you really want to explore the reaches of your potential, you need some frameworks Mm. and let's, let's stand on the shoulders of some of the greatest scientists in the world that are investigating the invisible. So you can see, I love the the science of psychology and some people want to say it's not a hard science bullshit on that. (laughs) It is, it is. Yeah. I mean, how many layers, how about, how about we don't gravity? We know it exists, right? No one's seen it. Yeah. But we know it exists. We know the artifact, we know the impact of gravity or lack of the same with the mind. Nobody's seen it. And so gravity is one of the hard problems. Um, you know, like, uh, and when I say specifically gravity, I'm actually talking about dark, um, oh gosh, what's called, uh, yeah, dark matter, dark energy, you know, like the stuff that we, we don't even understand 95% of, uh, atomic structure, really, uh, the things that are not at, uh, atomic structure. And so the mind is complicated, dude. And I love the art and the science, the intersection of those two. I'm always curious by when people ask me questions like or when they say to me hey jay just follow your gut i'm always like well what does it actually mean let's unbox that a little bit don't just say to me i'll follow your gut because that could mean a a, a variety of different things i want to get to the actual core of everything because i believe that if you start unboxing things you start growing you start learning more and you start figuring things out and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are actually afraid to go there because there's always that fear of what if I actually find it? Will I actually be accepting of the answer? And I know because I was there for many, many years, but what I love is the psychology aspect of the human mind 100% because it's so fascinating. Everyone's so different. There's so many different thought processes that we go through, so many layers to a human perspective and um, so many questions that we could really dive into and figure out the answers to them. And my grandfather used to say to me all the time, he's like, if you don't ask, you don't get. So don't be afraid to ask. And what I've realized by doing this, Doc, is is just asking the tough questions. And if I don't know how to respond to the answer, then that's great. Like, then I can can learn with you. You know, like, I don't know the answers to a lot of questions. That's why I asked them. And I like asking sometimes the same question to different people because there's always going to be a different response. Sometimes it's trends, but oftentimes there's always a different response. Yeah, that's cool, man. There you go. My my last three questions for you. This one may be a tough one to answer, but we'll see how you go with it. 
If you could ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Why? And what question would you ask them? Yeah, these are fun. These are always kind of fun. Mm. All right. So, uh, who is it? Um, why? And what was the third part? What, what is the question? question would you ask them. Yeah. So gosh, there's, 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 let me take a cheap way out here for a minute. There's a handful that I think about a lot. I, I'd love to sit. So the books that I read are the ones that stand up for the ages. Mm. Yeah. I've got books that I read that are contemporary, but I like the ones that stand up. And those are the people that I would be interested in sitting down with. Um, I mean, who are the most influential people in the world? Well, they happen to be <laughs> the founders of the 11 world religions, you know, so I'd like to sit with Buddha and Jesus and, you know, I'd like to sit with those folks, Muhammad and say, you know, get into the questions of like, what's the purpose, you know, like really grok with the big question, what's the purpose in, in life. Um, and then, but if we got off that kind of heaviness for just a moment, uh, bring it back down to like, you know who I'm, I'm bummed. I didn't get to sit with, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. I would have loved to have sat with him um, to go from exile of a exile to a uh, national treasure, to be at the forefront of um, a calling and a practice to understand mindfulness and the inner experience. I wish, and he recently, you know, like two years, I wish I would have had the chance to sit with him. Um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, how about Leonardo would be the reason I say Leonardo is because, um, man, he was committed and brilliant and did it his way and was different and risked everything. You know, there's rumors, if you will, but pretty high understandings that he was gay at the cost of death. And he, did, and he was like committed to his pursuit. Like, I just like, man, there's something special there. I wish I could have sat with mother Teresa and because she pushed against the grain in a big way. Um, and it might sound like, oh, okay, so he's up in the spiritual thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really fascinated by the, the most influential people, some of the most inf influential people in, on the world. Mm. So, um, and if I made it to the folks that um, are still alive, I haven't sat with Elon Musk. I think that'd be fun. And I think it'd be orthogonally different than the people I just mentioned. You know, it's a bit of a madness in there, maybe a little bit like Da Vinci. I don't know, you know, but I'd like to sit with him. I wish I, uh, I'm looking forward to a chance to, to sit with um, Barack um, and Michelle and Bill Gates. I think that there's uh, maybe even more so Melinda Gates. I think that she kind of holds the tone of what they're doing. So there's, I could go on and on. Like I'm inspired. I think people are amazing. Jay, I think that people are extraordinary and it wouldn't be hard for me to rattle on a list for hours about folks, but I'll, I'll just pause there. Same here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. This so is, what's the key uh, question? So, so let me answer this in a, in the, the, the question is really about, it's about purpose. It's about um, kind of the deeper things in life. Mm. And I'm going to pull on a, a study at Harvard a 75 year um, longitudinal study. And they were wanting to understand fulfillment in life. Mm. So at the end of people's lives, 75 years-ish, they said, okay, are you fulfilled or not? As a basic question. And those that were fulfilled, they mined the, you know, some insights about what led to a fulfilled life. One of the findings was that those that reported to be fulfilled, it was not money. It was not geographic location. Um, it wasn't status in, uh, in, in any kind of traditional business sense. One of the key factors is that they wrestled with the hard problems of life. Mm. They didn't solve them, but they wrestled with them. And those, that's the conversation. I want to I have the hard problems of life. Mm. You know, what does consciousness mean? What, what is the purpose of what we're doing? Right. And so when purpose is clear, we can deal with incredible pain. Mm. Incre I, I mean, inc think about that statement. When purpose is big, you can deal with lots of different types of pain. But when your purpose is small, pain runs the show. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, there we go. I totally agree with you there. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for ages about this stuff. <laughs> uh, definitely hey, so what's your, what, what, wait, hold on, flip it. What, what's, the, what's your person? What's the question? 
My one is I've always wanted to sit down with Steven Spielberg because I'm a film mm. film lover, film nerd. And one of the reasons why um, I decided to start doing this was the first person on my list was Steven Spielberg. And I was like, no matter what happens, I'm going to work my way towards Steven Spielberg plus have amazing conversations with everybody else and change the world. But the one person for me that I wanted to sit down with and just pick his brain about everything is Steven Spielberg. Mm, cool. Do, do you have a key question that you lead off with? Um, I've thought about this one for, for ages. I think I've got so many questions that I would ask him. There wouldn't be just one question yeah. that I would pick, but I think to me, what his version of what does he believe a, what, what, what does he believe makes a good story? Mm, cool. Cause he's the master of stories in my opinion. Yeah, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It, this is my legacy question uh, that I love asking people at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it all. We'll just call it magic, but they just did. And they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh, that's a cool question, dude. So uh, never been asked that. Let me think for just a moment. I don't think about legacy much or at all. You know, um, I would say if there was a couple notes, one is um, he made a difference um, in the quality of people's lives. Um, we could probably stop there, but it, it would be, a, it, there would be some depth. Like he made a difference in my life, mm. right? Uh, my times many, hopefully, but he made a difference in my life. And, and by creating space to explore, by um, understanding the relationship between vulnerability and courage mm. and uh, helped me live in a way of, um, like the truest, the truest sense of flourishing. Mm. So it, it would be about that kind of stuff. Mm, I love it. Great, yeah, great, great answer to the question. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is more of a fun one. Uh, yeah. I've only recently started asking people this one, but I just think it, it wraps things up pretty nicely. What is the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? Oh God, that brings me back. Did you ever watch the TV show uh, Friends? Yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> right. Joe was like, what's not to love about this, like meat and apple, you know, shepherd pie or whatever that thing was, you know, like, Oh, what's love mayonnaise, love hamburger, love peaches, <laughs> you know, like whatever. <laughs> um, what's the weirdest food combination? You know what? I, I don't know. If, I, I think about this a lot. I really enjoy sushi. Like I think it's a really fun, delicate um, uh, uh, food choice. And I can't understand how people drink wine with sushi. <laughs> so I, I don't know where that comes from, but uh, that's not really what you're asking. But like wine and sushi. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. I get, I get the sake and I get the beer, but wine and sushi. I always, I always get a little miffed by that. But that's not really like, that's not really it. The weirdest food combination. I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that, dude. I'll bounce it back to you. What, 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 what is yours? All right. Okay. So I, people do this a lot to me. Um, recently they, they bounce it back and I always say, okay, I have this weird one where I get rice crackers. I put butter, peanut butter, cheese, and sometimes ice cream. That's weird. It's very weird, but trust me, it works. All right. Give it to me. Give it to me one more time. Give it to me one more time. Rice crackers. Rice crackers. Yeah. Butter, yeah. Peanut butter. Yeah. Cheese and ice cream. Everything but the cheese. Everything but the cheese throws me off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think I, if you were to ask me this question, like, let's say the three years ago, like, Mike, what do you think about toast, avocado, chia seeds, eggs, and uh, some Parmesan, Parmesan cheese with um, 
uh, a sprinkle of hot peppers. What do you think about that? And maybe, maybe a radish on top. Mm, nah. so that's, that's crazy talk. That's what I eat almost every morning. You know, like this avo kind of egg toast with a little chia seed. It's a, it's great. Now put it on Ezekiel bread. So I've got like a, a kind of a healthier brain, uh, grain there. So yeah. I just wouldn't do the avocado. Everything else sounds good. <laughs> Out of here, man. Super, super foods. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to get them all. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Well, Dr. Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. We're definitely going to do this again. Uh, yeah, so I appreciate you, Jay. In the near future. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you and learn more about you? Uh, thank you. Um, so first place, uh, or first order business, I had fun in this conversation. So um, I appreciate you including me in your community and uh, kind of the, the, the insight meets delicateness in the way that you frame conversations. So I appreciate that. Um, the second is Finding Mastery is the podcast. You can find that at uh, any of the podcast catchers, you, iTunes and whatever. And um, or, no, it's not called iTunes. Is it iTunes? Why am I blanking Apple, on it? Apple Podcasts now, which yeah. is... Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff, right? And so Finding Mastery, uh, we're having a blast there. Um, CompeteToCreate.net is uh, the course that we talked about. And so that's the um, actual, if you want to roll up your sleeves and train your mind, that's the place to go. And then uh, on social, it's all the handles are at Michael Gervais, G-E-R-V-A-I-S. So it's Gervais, not Gervais. Nah, it's good, man. Uh, listen, you, you, you did a good job. You did a good job. Fine job. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not offended. Okay, good. <laughs> well, Dr. Michael, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the Storybox podcast, sharing your wisdom and your insight some of the tough questions. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Brad. I appreciate you, Jay. I don't like this part because it means, sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.